It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Late Lunch Playback, where we bring you a selection of the best from Late Lunch this past week. Let's begin with the story of a dash to hospital that saw baby Amy Maisie Holland arrive almost on cue. She came on her due date, but I was up that day with the consultant in the hospital getting another checkup, and um, he said, "Yeah, he said you'll be this baby will be coming soon enough in the next couple of days." He says, "I can't tell you exactly when, but you know, be ready by the weekend anyway." So okay, so, so no, no bother, no bother to you, and that—that's the return to hospital you're attending. Yes. Okay, grand. So home you come and you say, hunky-dory, this weekend or maybe early into next week, number two will be here. Not on your life. What happened? Yeah, well, we got got home that evening and it kind of wasn't, I feel a bit funny in myself and, you know, I was looking at the Jeep we came home and I thought, God, I better put diesel in that later on. And um, so doing our best and getting dinners ready and getting babbling sorted for the evening. And um, as time was on, just started feeling a bit kind of tired of myself and then put Bab to bed and I thought I could start feeling pain but I didn't know what to wear. I just got on with it and said oh, don't be thinking about it just get on with it you know and especially with the restrictions in place in the hospitals I didn't really want to go too early in case yes. we were sent home or waiting and so we were, went on to bed then and I was lying in bed and I thought god these pains are kind of getting sore now <laughs> and um, I couldn't sleep so I said here I better better do something. So I rang the hospital and said, yeah, I'm getting these pains now. They're, you know, they're, they're heavy enough. And she said, well, how close are they? And I said, well, I've timed them maybe about seven or eight minutes, maybe. And she said, yeah, maybe you should come on up seeing as you're travelling from Monaghan. And I said, grand. So I went down to the hubby and woke him up and said, right, let's go. And um, But I didn't think Baba was coming. I just thought he just wasn't feeling right. And um so by the time we got ready and into the Jeep, I said, right, we have to go. Something's, something's happening. And um, literally by the time we got onto the M1, <laughs> it was a dash to the hospital. Couldn't couldn't get there quick enough. So you're talking about from Carrickmacross to the Rotunda, about 90 kilometres distance. And we'll talk. Is the driver there with you? He is. We'll talk to him in a minute. Don't put him on. Don't put him on for yet. I want to keep talking to you. I'll talk to him in a minute. We'll talk about uh, Speedy Gonzales in a few moments' time. But anyway, he did the ninety kilometres in around thirty-five minutes. What about the other wee one? Where was 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 the other uh, baby? Yeah, I actually I called my mum. Grand. Asked her to come up and, and mind. She came up. Wood. Great. Okay. So emergency. Mam comes up, takes takes the reins, and off you go at a hundred mile an hour down the road. <laughs> now, now, were you? You're in the back of the car. He's concentrating on the road, trying to get to the Rotunda. 
are you feeling I ain't going to make it? When did you start feeling that? How long into the journey? Yeah, it was somewhere was it we were coming, I think, towards the airport. I think I couldn't really see, but uh, I think it was coming towards <laughs> the airport. And I thought, uh oh, oh God. <laughs> and then I couldn't hear because <laughs> it was going so fast that I tried to concentrate myself. And I thought, oh, maybe should I ring an ambulance? Mm, I don't know. That's messing around. We just keep going, just keep going. And um, Colin was shouting into me, all right, and trying to shout back at him. And I think then by the time we got to the, the tunnel, just suddenly yeah. my body started pushing and I said, what? <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> Why is my body doing this? What's going on? I didn't, honestly, I didn't think I was that far. But no, body wanted to push and I said, no way, this can't be happening now. So I just shouted at Colin, I was like, I have to push. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, he said, it's okay, it's okay, hold on, hold on. So we kept booting it, booting it, booting it. And uh, we landed at the doors of the rotunda and Baba was literally like, by the time Colin got the midwife, then so she was there in a couple of seconds. She opened the door and literally just as she opened the door, Baba slipped out. <laughs> ah, and there you are. I was going to say, you know, it happened maybe a little earlier. It was perfect timing. She arrived right on cue at the doors of the hospital. But you know what I'm laughing at thinking here? He was pushing like hell to get to the hospital on the accelerator. And you were trying not to push when you should have been pushing. You know, the, 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 real, the real irony with that. But anyway... She arrived and you were then, of course, in the hands of the experts. What happened from there? Was was um, Colm allowed in? He was, but it's obviously with the big restrictions in place. So he got to come in um, until we got the baby cleaned up. He had to wear all the you know, PPE and um, got Baba cleaned up. I had to get a few stitches. So he stayed with the baby in that room. I went down and got my stitches and literally as soon as I was out of theatre... Colm had to go home. And that was it. He wasn't to see her anymore until nope. you were back home. Until I was back in the Jeep going home. <laughs> <laughs> it was a far more relaxed journey. That goes oh, with say, without uh, saying on the way back. I know, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, when you look at it now and we're having a laugh about it, but it must have been like some experience like. Oh, it was. Like, looking back on it now, you you, you kind of laugh and we're mm. obviously delighted everything went well and safe and healthy, but never, never would have thought we could have gone through something like that. You know, Colm was supposed to be working the next day and we'd our usual jobs to be doing and nope, was not expecting it to, to end like that in any way. <laughs> but as I say, I think maybe just with the times that are in it, if, you know, we weren't in the middle of this crisis, I probably yeah. would have went up sooner, you know, and yes, sat there and got course. the checks. Just given the of way course. it was, I didn't want to go up. So. Yeah, so we're hearing it all the time. People are holding back on appointments and even when it comes down to uh, new life and birth as well, people are trying to, you know, uh, think of what can I do to leave it as uh, as tight as we can. But there you go, she was coming and that was it. So that was last Wednesday into Thursday morning, the early hours, and she was born at 1am on Thursday. That's correct, one fifteen. yeah. One fifteen, just after one fifteen, and had you the name? It's a lovely name, Amy Maisie. It is, yeah. We um, we had to dwindle down, all right, to about three names, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And um, but then you know, it's it's nice when both of us get to look at the baby and decide between the two of us what name would probably suit her most. But because Colin wasn't in the hospital, you know, coming up to visit, you couldn't really decide. So it took us a little longer just to by the time we got her home and looked at her. 
I picked the name Amy and then Colm's mother's name is Maisie. Lovely. So we said, yeah, Amy Maisie goes really well together. It's a lovely oh, it's, it's beautiful. Can I have a word with Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> you can, surely here he is. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Colm, how's the form? Well, I hear that uh, the Formula One teams are uh, making inquiries already as to who you are and where you are and what you do. Well, well, well. What was what was it like? <laughs> you know, your wife is in the back, the baby on the way, and you're, were you able to concentrate? I take it there was very little traffic on the road. Very little traffic on the road at that time. Um, no, it wasn't actually too bad. Um, like, I know, Davina... Like, I suppose when we left here, we kind of realised, Jesus, right? I mean, it's probably on a wee bit farther than we think. So, um, jumped into the Jeep, but of course, looked at the diesel, and it was just, just, just about quarter full, just under. <laughs> so it was. <laughs> right. Well, they're not stopping for days, you know. <laughs> so, um, no, I got into the Jeep, right, and then just pushed the Jeep on up the road, I kind of, as quick as I could. Um, mm. Like, there was very little traffic, I suppose, between me and Vina on the way up. Because mm. with the noise of the Jeep, with the speed, you know, when you're supposed to pass, you go, I, I, I just couldn't really hear it that well in the back. <laughs> Maybe it's better you didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, so when we got to Drahara, then I thought, Jesus, will they turn off and head into Drahara and mm. chance that? But no, I just said, so we'll keep going. So mm. we did keep going. And it wasn't too bad, but then it started to rain about swords, I'd say. Um, which me, I it just made me a wee bit more conscious of the road and being slippy in bits and pieces, mm. you know. And then coming as Davina said, in by the port tunnel, um, she was shouting like, "I, I, I'm pushing, I have to push." And I was like, "Don't push, don't push." Hang <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, we're almost there. Of course, every time I tell her we're almost there, we're only a couple of minutes away. We're only a couple of minutes away. But uh, she heard this older going up the road. Um, but um, no, I just. In time, we just pulled up at the Rotunda. Literally two minutes, I jumped out of the Jeep. Um, there was two security fellas kind of come running out. And I asked them to grab midwife or a nurse or something. I, and um, yeah, they were out within 30 seconds, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the 30 seconds off that, uh, Amy is laying in the back seat. She was there. She had arrived. Your psychologist, you're a good psychologist as well. We're nearly there. I could see, you know, the television ad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you're saying, oh, we're nearly there. She, we're nearly there. You know yourself. Yeah, yeah, almost there. So, um, <laughs> no, it was, it was, um, yeah, I suppose I went, we went to bed, we went half nine that night. It was just nice mm. and Davina being tired and that. And I, and I was supposed to be working the next morning. I know. Um, mm. But then they said, Davina woke me up by 12 and not even about quarter past 12. Then we need to go. And I woke up first thinking I, I was going to work. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so I thought I, thought, I thought I slept all night. So, uh, you oh, know, it's, um, it's, it's the most memorable job you'll ever have done. You yeah. you know that now. Yeah. Never mind work yeah. or anything else. You will never forget last Wednesday no, and the Thursday not. morning. Definitely you not. never definitely will. Not. You never will. No, but all, all, all's well that ends well, isn't all it? It's, well. it's great to reflect on it now that... Baby as well, mum as well, and everybody's back home. And uh, look, fair dues as well to the people, uh, you have to say, in the Rotunda and all the maternity oh, yeah, units. Yeah, 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 100%. Lovely staff. You know, to come to Yeah, very, they really very, are. Very, very so you're, you're, you're involved in the building game yourself, is it? Yeah. I am indeed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopes that uh, there'll be uh, more of a resumption. I know essentials are happening at the moment, but big hopes that things can get going next Monday, uh, the 18th. 
I hopefully, hopefully, Jay, well, I'm not being any panic, I suppose, back for another couple of weeks, hey? Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> you've you've paternity leave, a very important paternity leave to take. Very important, yeah, 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 indeed, hey? So, um, yeah, no, I'd say things, hopefully, we'll get back to normal, not back to normal, but start yeah. getting back to some kind of reality now, in the 18th. For sure. Oh. Please, God, that we'll move along that road. Will you put me back onto the mammy for a second? Well Hi, done to you, Colm. Well yeah. done, Colm. Thanks for taking our call. Davina. Hi, Mary. Davina, how are you? Yeah. Anyway, I know, I know you, I want to just mention that you are a teacher yourself in Blaney there and uh, you live in Carrick Macross. So, uh, uh, again, to you, uh, well done and congratulations on keeping cool as mm-hmm. you could be in the circumstances and uh, giving birth to that lovely little lady, Amy Maisie. Uh, school obviously doesn't look like it'll be September time and you'll have a while beyond that anyway yourself. That's correct, Jerry. Yeah, that's another thing everyone panicking and trying to figure out in their own heads mm. what's happening with it at the moment but I think with me well there's only one thing in my mind that is <laughs> yeah. looking after this wee baba <laughs> Absolutely. I, mean, I do, I am, I am in sync and I do keep in touch with I know. With the staff, you know, and I know you do, and we think think of yeah, think of all pupils and uh, teachers in that today. It's 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 so uncertain for the education uh, field as well, like many so many others. Anyway, you've two yeah. uh, wee ones there, sixteen months, and and a new arrival. That'll keep you going for a while. It certainly will, Jerry. We'll be. <laughs> Very busy for the next while. <laughs> no doubt, all's well that ends well. Congratulations to all. In contrast, life's end is really sad, especially when you can't mourn a loved one, as Ina McCrumlish found out on the passing of her mum, Marie, recently. Yeah, we just lost her six, well, five and a half weeks ago. She died on the 29th of March, and she was in her 97th year, Jerry. So we minded her at home with private carers and the help of HSE carers, all of whom were wonderful. We absolutely adored her and she was the centre of our everything. She didn't die, thank God, of COVID-19, but she got locked into the COVID-19 restrictions while in palliative while in a palliative bed in Loud County Hospital on a medical ward. And then as a result of COVID-19 restrictions, visiting restrictions, that then suddenly turned into no visits at all. So to come to terms with that, I wrote letters and we all wrote letters to her every day. And I drove down to Dundalk myself with the letters every day with a new bunch. And the nurses in Loud County Hospital were very kind and read the letters to her. I think not everyone is aware how hard COVID-19 is on nurses too. Like one experienced nurse told me that it took everything in her not to cry reading the letters because nurses got to know her you know, got to know her life by reading, you know, in the written word, seeing in the written word how important she was to her adult children, her grandchildren. And in that reading, they as human beings can see the impact that that patient has on the lives of other people. So I think COVID-19 brought that new reality to the hospital bedside. And the nurses also facilitated our FaceTime calls, which was also greatly appreciated, were left a mobile at our bedside and we'd arranged to call. And it was while it was brilliant to see her, Jerry, because um, we couldn't be with her, it was heartbreaking because her non-verbalness, which had increased in her dementia, was now more magnified on FaceTime. And it was hard watching her trying to touch us on the screen and then seeing on her face the confusion and the questioning look of what's happening. So when our mother entered the actively dying stage, having minded her to the age of 97, we could not be with her or we could not sit or hold her hand or comfort her in our final hours. And we were not afforded that opportunity because of COVID-19. 
I got to see her for 40 minutes on the Saturday, the 28th of March, the day before she died, just because I begged to be let in. And I received a call. I received a call then on that morning, on the Sunday, to actually tell me, you know, that she had died. And, you know, you're then left with that whole feeling of, oh, my God, you know, was there anybody with her? You know, you know, it, you're, you're left in an absolute um, sea of sea, sea, sea of a sea of grief is the, is the only words that that I can actually put onto it. And then what you have to then do then is you go down and you collect her belongings and you're just given two bags, you know, of her belongings and you to walk into that empty car park and there's no cars on the road and there's no people around. You just cannot imagine what that's actually, what, what that's actually like. So there's people going through a lot in this whole COVID-19 and even organising, you know, a funeral by changing an undertaker. I got to bring my mother home and this was a great source of comfort to have her back in a usual place. There were no flowers at our funeral, and but a neighbour gave us all the cherry blossoms from her tree to adorn her coffin. And only four of our seven children could attend our funeral, along with two of our eight grandchildren and our carer. And her care. But we walked behind the hearse, Jerry, down Trinity Street, and we were able to stop outside Foley's Pub, which was our home many years ago and um, Jimmy and Geraldine are there now doing a wonderful job and we were able to lay some flowers there just to honour you know 30 years of our life running that that pub so it was tough and Father Barry did a wonderful job for us in that whole thing of just delivering that mass and he was a great rock and a source of comfort because he lost his own mother in December and he knew how hard that was but in a burial in a normal Irish burial you know you go to a restaurant, you have a meal, you raise a glass and you've all your friends around you. So by the time you get home, you're exhausted. But in COVID-19, you have a funeral mass at three o'clock and you're back in your house at quarter to five. And you're just left just just five, six people just sitting in a room wondering, like, what are we going to do with this grief? Because like in all Irish families, you have seven children. You have seven different stories of what it is with the relationship with the parent. But in COVID-19, there's, there's no hiding space in grief. That, that's all the way I can really, really put it. So we're just coming to terms with it. it it's very difficult. And this is not just about my story or anyone else's story. There's so many people out there that have experienced this. I met a girl in the supermarket yesterday. And she was even telling me, you know, her mother died of COVID-19. It was, they never discussed even cremating her mother, you know, and they had mm. to go through all of that. And and a friend's husband died. And, you know, I just could empathise so much with what that was like because I've gone through it myself. My so, word, know, I, have to, yeah, I have to say your story is just heartbreaking to listen to and I think it is just one example of so many uh, similar stories and feelings that people are having out there at the moment. It really is so sad that we don't, as you say, celebrate in the traditional manner. We remember all who've been bereaved at this time. So sad for so many. Sue Masterson reached a milestone. Yes, it's a year since she quit drinking. No surprise, she's absolutely buzzing. Do you know what? It was... I noticed that I had increased my alcohol intake. I was drinking, I drink a bottle of wine on a Friday night and on a Saturday night. And then I noticed it slip into during the week. And I might open a bottle of wine maybe on a Tuesday or Wednesday, and then there'd be some left for the following day. So before I knew it, I'd be drinking four nights a week 
granted it may only be a glass of wine for one of those nights but it was still I felt I was going into a habit that I a bad habit and I wanted to break it and I broke it whoop whoop <laughs> <laughs> you, you certainly did but did you just pick a particular date or was there an incident that said to you that's it well, do you know, it was for a good while that I was thinking I need to just stop this. Do you know what I mean? I need to stop this before it gets bad. And then ads for one year, no beer came up on Facebook. And I saw these before and after pictures of people and they had lost weight and they'd medals around their necks. And I was like, oh, I want a medal. So I was like, I'm going to have a look and see what this is about. And then I went, that's exactly when I was like, right, this is the proper group for me um, to join and stop drinking alcohol. Did you go cold turkey or did you ease yourself out in any way? I went cold turkey. Um, now, because like I know I had three bottles of wine, that they, they suggest in the group, the group is only for um, moderators, that if you drink more than that, to be careful doing that. But I did cold turkey. Um, so what happened was I registered on the Saturday originally and the email didn't come through. So I had half a bottle of wine in the fridge, so I drank that and then started on the Sunday when the email came through. <laughs> <laughs> So you weren't going to waste a drop of wine no, anyway. No, I got your, it's there. But so that's it. Yeah, so my day was a bit later, but your luck, I got that there. Was the, that was the goodbye. Did you use any non-alcoholic drinks initially or did you go for soft drinks, water, what? Um, yeah, alcohol-free drinks. Um, yeah, there's a couple. I have the Nasecco, which is alcohol-free um, Prosecco, and a couple of alcohol-free beers as well. So I'd use them and I'd have one the odd time as well if there was celebrations or whatever, I'd have the odd alcohol-free beer. Okay, but you're off for 12 months and celebrating and I know you're celebrating because it is a milestone for you. Did you ever feel like, you know, falling off the wagon? Um, There was times where it was difficult, but I was very lucky to meet a really good friend in One Year No Beer, Jenny Grant, and um, she was incredible. So it was great we had the support of each other. So when I was having tough days, I'd go, around day 40, around day 40, I was kind of like, oh, I'd love a glass of wine. But see, once I set myself a goal, Jerry, and once I go for it, I have a challenge, I go for it. And I'm... I'm going for it and that's it. I wouldn't, even though I'd have loved it, I would have loved to have a glass of wine at the time. There's no way I would have. And because I was kind of holding myself accountable, not just for myself, but for my buddy Jenny, I just wouldn't do it. And would you believe again on day, we worked it out the other day because Jenny got her one year no beer the day after me. And we worked it out that it was day 174 for me and 173 into it, which is nearly like halfway, where you think, gosh, I'm grand now. And it was, it, it came again, it's reared its head going, I love a glass of wine. But that's now, I don't have any of, that, that's gone now. And I've decided I'm just going to, I'm off alcohol now for, for life. I'm going to, I've said it on the airways, Jerry. I have to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> You've pinned your colours to the mast for sure. But it does show you the, what a buddy can do for you as well. Now, here's the thing. W- what's the real upsides or ma- are there many upsides in not drinking from your perspective? Yes, because when I'd have had a drink, I'd feel very, um, very low the following day, really low. But my parents have passed away, so I'd be missing them a lot. And so I don't have those days anymore, which is absolutely fantastic. So it's, it's helped my mental health hugely. Um, at the, like the, my physical as well, like actually at the start of it, you do your 28 day trial. And I started, and um, we have to set a goal. And my goal was to run 5K by the end of the 28 days. So I did that. 
then I've run 10Ks and I've run 10 miles and I've got my place for Dublin City Marathon. So my my fitness levels and everything has increased and you notice my skin as well in the before and after photo. It's just amazing. I actually had a girl... Sorry, you, I talk for Ireland, Jerry. Apologies. But um, I actually had a girl actually message me saying that she's in beauty 15 years and she said she's, my skin is absolutely excellent. So I was like, yes, result. Isn't this fabulous? And listen, don't mind about talking. We want people on the airwaves that talk, Sue. And you're a dream ticket when it comes to talking. But, but are, there any, are, there any, are there any negatives? Are there any negatives? No. I, I don't see negative. Well, I'm a very positive person anyway. I don't see any, neg- any negatives to not drinking. No. For me, and no. Here you are, like, on the cusp of a marathon. God knows, as you know at the minute, what will happen there. But you're yes. in anyway. You've been accepted. What a change that is in your life as well. You know, I've been keeping an eye on you as well. What's this crack that's going on on TikTok? What are you up to with it? <laughs> I am the TikTok queen. <laughs> Do you know what? I started doing them. I have a great laugh. I can laugh at myself and that's what I love as well about me because the TikToks are just great crack. The reason why I'm putting them up at the moment is because people people are struggling during COVID-19. Like, I still have my bad days as well. Do you know what I mean? Where things kind of mm. get on top of you. But I love to share my madness and my positivity and my dirty laugh with those who I can. So I've just started putting them up on um, on my Facebook page. Great crack. <laughs> Folks, check out Sue Masterson on Facebook and look at these TikToks. They really will make you laugh. I'm not giving any more away. You have to go and look at them for yourself. But here's the thing about you. You're obviously a woman that when you get something, you know, within your grasp, like like you've done with this kicking the alcohol, like, you know, picking up the running and now qualifying to run a marathon, you're on another challenge now and it comes to your eating. Yeah, it is. It is. I've, um, I'm on day 80 of my no takeaways. I've given up takeaways now and I plan to be off them for good then as well. So, yeah, that's another one of my challenges I'm on at the moment. I love a good challenge. <laughs> What about you? You have two children as well. Are you encouraging them to, you know, exercise more, maybe to not have the takeaways or is it up to them? Do they make their own call they, on this? They, well, they do and they don't. They, when they really would like one, I used to have takeaways every week, like I was bad with them. And um, when with me, if they want them, they pay for them themselves. <laughs> so that soon stops them. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good tip. That's a real good yeah, tip. Yeah, for they're twenty now. It's not like they're ten or twelve. Yeah. They are twenty and sixteen. Yeah. I know. I don't yes. look old enough to have kids yeah. that age, Jerry. Oh my! Oh my! This is just another revelation today. There you are. But listen, seriously, I have to say to you, you've done so well, and it, it is a wonderful thing to say that you're year in at this stage. And you say, that's it for life for you. But you can see, and just even in the images, as you said, you mentioned your skin there. Overall, your health, much better. Much better, much, much better. And can I mention as well, Jerry, I actually have my own positivity page on Facebook. It's called Miss Positively Positive. That's M-I-S-S. Get the plug in. But um, that's where I share a lot of my positivity and I'll go on and do live um, Facebook, like live um, Facebook videos about self-care and stuff like that because I'm really... Like, I love trying to help people feel better about themselves and I encourage people to look after themselves and to do their 10,000 steps a day and stuff like that. So um, if anybody wants to follow me there as well, they're more than welcome to. The most 
positively positive miss I've spoken to for a while on late lunch. I admire what you've done. Wanted to have a quick word with you today in the show. Keep her going and thank you for taking our call, Sue. No problem at all. Lovely talking to you, Jerry. Take care. Well done, Sue. Onwards and upwards. He's been in lockdown at home in Dundalk, but that hasn't stopped his flow of creativity. On the release of his new single, singer-songwriter David Keenan reflected on strange days. Yeah, you know, people say it's surreal. I think it's not surreal at all. It's all too real. But uh, listen, you have to hand things over. And uh, I was on tour in the UK. Luckily, we got home. But um, it was pulled. The European tour was pulled. But you just want to get home. And you just want to be with your family. And, you know, it's, it's a difficult time for many, but it's, it's been a great gift for me. I'm just reconnecting with where I'm from and getting a chance to write and, and just just to live in the day, you know, so... Mm. Mm. I, I, the words creative wild cocooning come to my mind when I see what you're yeah. up to at the moment and I want to come on to that in a second but first just about the name of the album A Beginner's Guide to Bravery does that sum up you and your journey? Well I think at the time it, it was just the name of a, of a book really if you want to call the album that and the record is just me mapping my journey over the last four or five years and at the end of the record mm-hmm. Because of the process, I got kind of a deeper understanding of who I am. It was a catharsis, a creative catharsis, you know. But, uh, you know, I've recorded it and obviously it's made, but you're always chasing the next song and and you're you're trying to build a body of work. Um, It was very important for me as well when it was those few years ago not to just ponder and and to to use it as a motivation just to keep going and not not to be boxed Mm. in, Mm. you know. So it's all about the pursuit. Yes, yeah, and and look at the way it it began for you back in January. Number one in the Irish Independent Album Chart, the biggest selling vinyl album uh, during the week of its release. I was reading the reviews in in the good and mighty in the music world, and my word, they are waxing lyrical over you and this album. Is it? You know, you said you were in the UK. Is this a bit of a bum or not being able to build on that and get out there and tour and play to audiences? It is. It was frustrating, you know, but. As I said, you have to take the positives from it, and, and it's been very free in this time. I've had time to, you know, as I said, work on the next record and mm. put out a couple of EPs from home, the isolation tapes which I've done, and you just have to accept it. You know, you can't uh, you can't be egotistical and feel frustrated. But when it does come around again that I can get back out, I think there's going to be a surge mm. of gigging uh, towards the end of the year. And you know, like playing live is medicine to be in, to be among people and playing live expressing yourself it's a it's, it's a it's a very privileged privileged place to be so when it does lift i, I really look forward to getting back and back out and, and being on the road again it's uh it is a, it is a great gift to be able to travel and, and doing something that you love yeah and bring more new material i was having a listen and look at the isolation tapes you did volume one and then volume two is just out now um tell me this the artwork is that your own artwork that i see there it is, yeah, it is. Well, David, uh, do you know what I'm going to tell you? Stick, <laughs> stick to the singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think I saw, I saw a comment from somebody saying it looks like the psychopath's uh, <laughs> sketchbook. <laughs> maybe there's, maybe there's something, there's something in that. Maybe I don't know. But <laughs> needs must. Needs must. <laughs> David, David, I'm not going to insult you, but I'll tell you, about, I have two granddaughters, but one of them, Ava, she's five. Ava's five, and she came up with a little drawing to me. You know, we can't see each other, so she left a little drawing for me on the doorstep here. And David, right. I think she's a heady in the art world. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold a candle to it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
that's okay. I'll stick, I'll stick to horses for courses, Jerry. Absolutely, David. Absolutely. Listen, you're brilliant at what you do and, and do stick with it. But look, at when you are, uh, this is something I wanted to just uh, probe with you for a moment. You know, when you are locked down and are at home, and I know you love home and being home and the world is your oyster at this stage, but the inspiration, where does that come from, you know, when you're with yourself and your thoughts and your words and music? It's just a desire just to express yourself and to go on these trips with the imagination. Um, I think I found solace in rising very early on, and it's always it's like this. It's like this friend. It's a teacher that you can go, you can go to, you can access at any time. As I said, it's a creative catharsis. But you have to put in the work as well. When I was younger, I just used to waste for inspiration to fall out of the clouds. But I have a bit of a, a routine, and I just I, I love the process as well. It's not it's not like you're down a mine with tools, but you have to. You know, you have to develop your craft and put in the work. What what you what you give is what you get with it. You know, mm. you're a young fella and you're going places and to the top is where you're headed, young man. Um, and I, I read an interview you did lately, and one thing I just wanted to pick from it, um, they put it to you that you'll use a lot of religious language in your writing and your songs, and you and religion and faith is that just from the Catholic background of your home and the country or where where do you get that from well i just think that it's there's a there's a seek in many of us to try to figure out the question mark as to why and 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 you know like everybody has their own subjective interpretation of a higher power or, or lack of and uh but i think it's in writing and in music and in art for, since the beginning people have been kind of you know on this quest to, to discover and uh yeah, like, I remember being dragged out to Mass as a kid and, and the panic of not being late. And I, I thought to myself at the time, if this is faith, I don't want any of it, you know. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's whatever, whatever the individual thing, whatever. I, I think there's a there's a big pursuit in, in my in my writing and it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a journey of discovery. And I think there is terminology that's been pointed out that crops up in the songs. You don't really, I don't really overthink it. It's just coming and it's, it feels natural and it's like a tap that's flowing. So you just kind of have to get out of the way of it, you know. Mm. Do you do you feel that spirituality or the spirituality within a person is is an important thing and maybe more in focus these days for people? You know, who we've been all so busy with work and paying for our mortgages and rearing. Yeah, children. yeah. Like, like I think look, this this time I've never felt more connected to nature. Like you, you wake up in the morning and you listen to those birds and they're having a field day, you know. And, We've stepped off the carousel. We've stepped off the, the merry-go-round, and you get to embrace just being present in the moment. Um, that's been a big part of this period for me as well. Just just being connected to the day, and uh, if you want to call it spirituality, if you want to call it consciousness, awareness. Again, these are just words, but there's a deep thing in us. Since the beginning of time, we have this affinity with nature. We're not separated from it, but we are nature, mm. and. This time as well has, has, has been like that for me. Just being conscious of living in the day, and, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm blessed that where I am living, the family home in Knockbridge. You know, there's there's it's in the countryside, so you can just go out and walk. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm a man of simple means, really. You know, and it's just beautiful yeah. to uh, kind of. Tune in again, you know. Oh, it's fantastic to hear you talk in those terms. Listeners know I'm a great lover of nature and the outdoors and I sing That's its praises medicine. all the time and try to bring it to uh, late lunch audiences as much as I can. But David, I'm going to make a confession to you here today. Uh, I was awake this morning about a quarter past four and there's a blackboard outside my window. 
and I'll tell you this, there'll be feathers everywhere if I get her. <laughs> I'm only joking. He is all the sings of him this morning at the quarter past four. It was just something to behold, I have to say. And I get what you're talking about as well. And what I'd say to you is draw for, from that forever because it it is marvellous. Well, listen, I want to play out with your new single. It's called Evidence of Living. And again, you're on the nail with the title of, of this one. Just before we spin it here, a little bit of background to the single. I wrote it in New York, um, the chimneys of steam emanating from the gutter, you know, in, in New York. But sometimes you write, you write something and then it becomes true. It wasn't true at the time, but I think it's, it's very apt at the minute, especially when you're, there's, there's nobody on the streets and you're kind of holding out your hands saying, you know, where, where are we? Where are you? you know, and uh, it seems quite appropriate at the minute. But um, yeah. This is it, a beginner's guide to bravery. You're a top man. I'm delighted to catch up with you again today yeah, after all these years. Wish you well and keep on writing and playing. You're marvellous. Thanks, David. Thank you. Chat to you soon. Thank you for joining me. Take care. It's David Keenan and a beginner's guide to bravery, the album, Evidence of Living, the song. A little boy sits on a doorstep Lifting his hands for to dampen the sound of a bitch who's informing the neighbours of intimate act with some wave she had found where the chimneys of steam emanate from the gutter in a dive bar where the hungry all stew it is here that the brilliant blasphemers are sitting and cursing us under the But every name under the sun As the ones are banging their drums Is there any evidence of living left in this town? Would I find any evidence of living amongst you? Is there any evidence of living within them, within us? Would I find any evidence of living left in this town? Watch this space. That young man is on the cusp of international stardom. A big birthday, no party or friends to celebrate with. No worries, we were delighted on late lunch to assist in making Keen Dunning Boggins' 18th extra special. A week ago we put a call out to listeners to send birthday cards to a very special lad. The days arrived, but how many cards have? Mum Joyce takes up the story. Yeah, one or two. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we counted them and 720 cards. Ah, magnificent, ah, isn't it? Unbelievable, the kindness of people. I just, I just, honest to God, and it's even more than that. People have gone out of their way, local businesses, like, you know, personalised banners, balloons. Um, the fire brigade from Ashburn arrived this morning. Um, a number of guards have sent... Um, cards from all over Ireland as well but uh, it's just so heartwarming like I got a card from a 93 year old man and got one from an 83 year old woman and 
just right across not a county has been left out people have just come out and the door is constantly going uh, birthday <laughs> cakes and everything it's just <laughs> unbelievable because yeah. you are given uh, on post that much work just in I your know. own right it's incredible well, to be I honest s- with you yeah the poor postman he comes <laughs> to the crate every day <laughs> <laughs> you know is it brilliant day. So, have you been opening them as they started to arrive, or what's the process? No, uh, I had been putting them aside. Uh, so, so I'd say we're two and a half hours now opening cards, and we've still a bit to go. But uh, we still a good bit to go. But uh, no, I had kept them up from, and uh, so there was lots of tears of joy from Keen. He just can't believe, you know. He keeps saying, "I can't believe people like me," and you know, he's just. He goes, I keep feeling teary-eyed and he's tearing up and he's had a few FaceTime calls with some of the cast from uh, Mrs. Brown as well, which was unbelievable as well. So, uh, and beautiful um, personalised gifts as well uh, Mm. from people. He's just, he doesn't know where to be looking, to be honest with you. So this has more than made this oh. the greatest and most special birthday ever, even though 18 is, as you told us last week, it's a very special day for this fella. No, oh, very special. But like a lot of people in the car to say, no, oh, well, when this is all over, you'll be able to celebrate properly. This has just, words can't even describe the kindness of people. And uh, like the door is constantly gone. And as I said, my sit room is full of balloons. Uh, from well-wishers and mm. personalised banners all over um, my windows, you know, and personalised champagne. And just people have just been so thoughtful. Mm. It really just lifts your heart, honest to God. And it's quite emotional as well, you know. It really it is. is quite emotional to just to, to witness it as well. People are good. Ah, listen, you know, we hear about the news. What makes the news? It's the bad news that makes the headlines all of the time. And down at the very end, you get the human interest stories. But, you know, you know this. I don't have to tell you uh, and tell Keen today that, you know, good is way, way greater than evil. Oh, absolutely. When times, I think, get difficult, people just rally together. Um, and I just do believe that the Irish are great as well for that. Mm. Uh, but definitely, uh, it just lifts your heart and just the kindness and generosity of people. And just to write that little note in a card and maybe tell a little story in the card, like, you know, a lot of uh, people have their own issues and they've been writing it in cards. And it's just, um, it's just lovely to think, you know, that people took the time out to do that. Um, so we're very, very, very grateful. So thank you to everybody. But I will say that my sister actually reached out to um, Michael D. Higgins and uh, he did get a letter from um, Michael D. Higgins as well, which is unheard of. So we were very grateful for that as well. Best president ever. Absolutely, yeah. But um, so we have that as well. So that'll, that'll be put in pride of place. But I do want to take the opportunity to to thank everybody, everybody that has um, gone out of their way, even yourself, you know, allowing me to talk as well. Uh, but everybody that has gone out of their way to uh, make Keane's birthday so special. 
he won't get a birthday like this again. You know, it's just unbelievable to think that there are people out there thinking of him and praying for him. And um, so, just thanks to everybody. Honest to God, it just um, very, very emotional. Very emotional. It's our privilege and pleasure and that's what we are here for on LMFM radio this is what we're about as well we're at the heart of the community to support community and to make a day like this for a very special boy because I want to tell listeners again that Keen he was born with uh, William syndrome and he was lucky to survive we heard the story last week when he was a little tot and he's come through a lot in his lifetime and he attends St Ulton's Special School in Navin he has loads of friends there he's from Rathothan County Mead and he's a top man and he's 18 years of age today and I want to say again happy birthday to him this is a great story it really is ah the power of radio never fails happy birthday Keen. and finally this week we touched base with irish times washington correspondent suzanne lynch who began by discussing joe biden's presidential bid i think he will probably ride this one out um the the allegations have been around for a while this lady tara reed was one of several women who last year uh, spoke out and said, uh, accused Joe Biden of inappropriate kind of touching and hugging. And then a year later, um, she said she actually accused him of a sexual assault incident. She worked for him when he was a senator in the early 90s here in Washington. Um, so this has been a very kind of tricky um, issue for Joe Biden to deal with because we're in the context of the Me Too movement and Democrats themselves were very, very strong. People will remember uh, when Judge Brett Kavanaugh was being um, confirmed as a Supreme Court justice, a woman, Christine Blasey Ford, accused him of sexual assault. And this dominated his confirmation hearings. And Democrats at the time were very quick to say, you know, every woman needs to be heard. Uh, and they believed Christine Blasey Ford. Now there's an accusation against one of their own, against Joe Biden. And Democrats don't really know how to respond to this. So what we saw Joe Biden do uh, last week, he did his first kind of public comment on this in a TV interview, and he categorically said that this incident did not happen. At the same time, he tried to say, well, women should be looked, you know, listened to, uh, but then accusations need to be examined. And in this case, I did nothing wrong. These are false accusations. So it's a tricky balance for Democrats. Um, they've and quite rightly really been accused of hypocrisy because they were very quick to go in the bandwagon when a Republican was accused and believe the woman. Now when it's Joe Biden, they're saying he doesn't, he, she shouldn't be believed. And actually, it's not even Biden. It's the women who are supporting Biden, I think, this is very comfortable for. Joe Biden has already said that he's going to appoint a woman as vice president if he, if he is um, elected president in November. Um, So there's all kinds of speculation about who that might be. Kamala Harris, the senator from California, maybe Elizabeth Warren, maybe Amy Klobuchar. So all these women have come out now and defended him. But they were the same people, as I say, who were calling for women to be believed, you know, when somebody else was being accused. So I think it's very difficult for them in particular. He's been quiet lately. I'm just assuming it's due to his age and cocooning and the COVID there. Or is it a question as well of perhaps giving the other fella all the rope he needs? I think there's an element of that. So like everybody else, Joe Biden, everyone is social isolating here. Although interestingly, here in Washington, the Senate, one the two houses in Congress, the House of Representatives and the Senate, but the Senate has come back to work. Uh, this week in Washington. And a lot of those senators, U.S. senators, are, you know, well into their 70s, 80s even. Um, But Joe Biden has remained at his house in Delaware, between Washington, D.C. and New York. 
And he's been trying to hold what they call virtual town halls, so online uh, briefings. But look, they haven't really resonated with the public. You know, it's it, this is Joe Biden. He's himself 77 years of age. He would not be particularly tech savvy. And he is now trying to fight this campaign from his house in Delaware. And it, it, it's difficult to assess how that's going. As you say, I think there is an element of a strategy here. You know, why, why stop Donald Trump when he's doing such a good job of showing his kind of lack of control over the coronavirus response uh, every day in these briefings, although they have now calmed down, they've, they've, they've stopped here. Um, but there is the sense that is Joe Biden getting his message across? One of his skills as a politician actually is in, you know, meeting real people out of the campaign trail. He's quite good um, at these town hall events that are called here. You know, he really connects with people. He's a lot of empathy. People really like him when they meet him in person. So he's now going to be lacking that going into the election in November. So I think that is going to be become a, a, a negative. And of course, the other thing is that it's going to affect fundraising because a lot of lot of money in American politics and a lot of it is traditional fundraising where wealthy donors would say have a, a big party or a dinner for a candidate like Joe Biden. People who want to attend would pay tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to attend. They're kind of gone now. So I think that could be a problem for Biden because he just doesn't have the money. Donald Trump and his campaign have been building up millions of dollars over the last three years to fight this campaign. So Joe Biden is kind of on the back foot on that um, on that level of things. So, you know, being stuck at home is not going to help him on that front. You may put a call into Bloomberg, but let's uh, watch this space. When you look at the numbers over there, you know, uh, 30, 33 million uh, unemployment assistance applications since March, 75,000 people plus deaths with the COVID. And in your article today in the Irish Times, I'm just reading there that Trump's valet, a US Navy officer, has contracted COVID-19. It's getting closer to the White House. Well, yeah, and this is quite an interesting story. So this emerged yesterday that he's a member of the U.S. military who works closely with Donald Trump. Um, the president would have, as they call valets here, kind of assistants who would help them with things like packing or, you know, would serve them their meals, that kind of thing. So a gentleman um, has, we think it's a gentleman because Donald Trump referred to him yesterday, has tested positive for this. Um, now, Donald Trump played it down and said he'd already been tested. He's continuously tested. But, for example, in the next hour or so here in, in Washington, Trump is due to participate in a World War II uh, Victory Day commemoration at one of the monuments here. And he's going to be there with some survivors of World War II who were well into their 90s. And there's now a question, well, how exposed was Donald Trump to this virus? You know, it's now in the West Wing. And should he really be... Um, taking part in these kind of uh, events at this point. He has not been seen with a mask, and I can tell you masks are pretty ubiquitous here. Everybody is wearing them when they go to supermarkets, etc. So I think there were reports here that Donald Trump himself was quite rattled by this when he heard that this person who's been very close to has the coronavirus. As I say, though, he has said he's tested clear, although he's he's been getting the, the, the tests by Abbott that give a very quick result. Some people suggest that those tests are not as reliable as some of the other tests where you have to wait for longer. So, look, I think it has kind of raised questions again about his level of exposure to COVID and what this could mean. 
Just a few minutes before we wrap up, uh, and uh, Michael Flynn, Trump's first national security adviser. Again, you featured this in your excellent article today. Yeah. He he had pleaded guilty uh, about his interactions with the Russian ambassador to the USA back in 2017. He's been acquitted. The charges have uh, been dropped. This is a, a strange one indeed. The Democrats are going mad, but as usual, of course, you know, Trump, he's rounded on the FBI, the Department of Justice officials, and of course, ourselves in, in the media. What do you read into this? Yeah, this, would, this is an example of a story that would be huge if it wasn't for the coronavirus pandemic. So people remember the Russia investigation, in other words, the Mueller, Robert Mueller led an investigation into Trump's links with Russia during the election. And one of the big findings for the, uh, from this was about Michael Flynn. He's a retired general, but he served as Trump's first national security advisor. Uh, so Mueller and the FBI investigated him, and he admitted himself to lying about contacts he had with Russia's ambassador during the transition. This was the few months between when Trump was elected and when he took up office as inauguration. So he pleaded guilty to this. Um, and, you know, that case, you know, that prosecution was continuing. And all of a sudden yesterday, the Department of Justice uh, announced actually we're dropping these cases. And this is pretty much unprecedented that the FBI, the Department of Justice would, you know, drop cases, drop a case against someone that they're investigating who has pleaded guilty. So the Department of Justice, the Justice Department here, the, the head person is the Attorney General, William Barr, and he ultimately made this decision. So he, he argued, he did a TV interview last night here, that um, that there was no ground to this investigation in the first place. But legal experts are saying here that this has never happened before. You would let the case play out. If there's no case mm. to answer, fine. You would, you know, you'd hold a trial and find that out. So it's a very worrying sign here for people that Donald Trump administration and Bill Barr are basically ordering the Department of Justice and the FBI to do things for political reasons and that they're not letting justice play out. And it's a very worrying precedent. Now, Donald Trump this morning at the early hour of 8am did a phone-in interview with his favourite TV breakfast show, Fox and Friends. And um, the enti- it went on for about 45 minutes. But the entire first 25 minutes was dedicated to this issue. No, no mention of coronavirus and the 73,000 Americans who've died. Um, but that's just to illustrate the people, who, you know, the Fox News viewers and the Republicans here. This is a huge issue for them. They feel that there's a kind of... Um, an anti-Trump element in the FBI and in the civil service, effectively, here. And they feel very strongly about this. So Trump was talked about this for 20 minutes. He talked, uh, you know, in really aggressive terms about James Comey, the former head of the FBI, saying he was dumb as a rock um, and that he was a stupid guy. And he talked about um, Obama people trying to take down a duly elected president. And he even mentioned Richard Nixon a few times. So... You know, again, it's worrying. Donald Trump feels that people are out to get him. He feels that, that these career civil servants and FBI officials were out to get him. They were just doing their job. There were contacts or allegations of contacts between Russia and America during the election in 2016. Their job was to investigate them. So, look, it's kind of, again, a reminder of Trump's battle, not just with the media, but also with his own civil service, if you like. He believes there's a kind of deep state against him. And that's very worrying for kind of American democracy. It certainly is. Brilliant analysis. And I want to remind listeners again, reader in the Irish Times, Washington correspondent Suzanne Lynch. I absolutely love uh, what you write and I love the politics. And I'll tell you this just to say goodbye. I thought the West Wing was good. You mentioned it a moment ago. 
This is even better and it's real life. Suzanne, <laughs> thank you so much for taking our call. Thank you. Brilliant as usual, Suzanne. And don't forget you can read her every day from the USA in the Irish Times. That's it for the moment. We'll have more interesting conversations with great guests soon for you on our next podcast. In the meantime, do join us each afternoon for Late Lunch Live from 1.30 on your station, LMFM. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.